The Musonomics Podcast is supported by the Music Business Program at New York University Steinhardt School of Culture, Education, and Human Development. For information, visit steinhardt.nyu.edu slash musicbiz. Welcome to Musonomics. I'm Larry Miller from the Music Business Program at NYU Steinhardt. About 10 years ago, Ed Pito was working for a record company in London and looking to go abroad. I, I remember at that time sort of Googling various sort of music industries around the world and, and looking for jobs even uh, in places like Brazil or Japan and, and, and just couldn't really find anything. And when I sort of Googled China music industry, nothing came up. China has the largest population in the world. Their economy is growing at a steady 6.7% a year, and almost three-quarters of the population say they listen to music. So how is it that their music market is smaller than the markets of European countries like Austria or Sweden? On this episode of Musonomics, we're going to take a deep dive into the music industry of the world's second-largest economy, or even largest, depending on how you measure. Stay with us. We know this. China is a huge potential market, and the Chinese do listen to music. But for a long time, the Chinese music market wasn't really much of a market at all. It was comprised almost entirely of piracy. When music executive Ed Pedo came to China about 10 years ago... It was basically a complete piracy market. You know, the numbers were sort of 99% piracy, effectively, um, for di- for digital and, and physical, I think, was something like 95%. And effectively, there was no record, record market at all. There was a music product that people were willing to pay for, though, the ringback tone. The ringback tone was just an incredibly popular product, really, for about 2005. It sort of really started, and then, and then through the late noughts, it, it, it just boomed into this industry that, from a telco perspective, they're making billions of dollars a year, you know, up to sort of $5 billion a year, um, because it's an unpiratable product. So Chinese cell phone users were more than willing to pay money to have a hit song be played when someone called them. But there was just one problem. The billions that were being collected on a sales end of that really only about 1% to 2% was being paid back through to the rights owners. Today, ringback tones aren't as popular as they once were, and piracy has gone down significantly. So what happened? After 2008, because the economic crash in the West, in Europe, and and also in the United States, so export demand has slowed down. That is Billy Ko. I met up with Billy in Shanghai last month, He's sort of the Simon Cowell of China. He's a popular judge on the TV talent shows and the founder and former CEO of the record label Ocean Butterflies. Now he runs A-Music Rights Management. So China has to go through, has to be rethinking about how do they reform the economy. After the 2008 financial crisis, Chinese exports went down. Europe and the United States weren't buying as much as they used to. So to keep the economy growing, China had to come up with something else. And Billy Ko says this is when the Chinese government turned its eyes toward intellectual property. The iPhones may be manufactured and assembled in China, but then they're being shipped off to the U.S. and the rest of the world. They realized that only if a country holds intellectual properties, then it has value. And let's not forget that before 1972, China was very much a closed country. 
and the music industry was part of what Billy Coe calls the propaganda machine. So there is no such thing as copyrights, and there's no such thing as personal properties for the songwriters to own the song, no. All the music are part of the propaganda machines. Fast forward to today. China's music industry is still very small relative to the U.S., U.K., Germany, and Japan, which drive the global music industry. But a lot has happened during the last five years. And Ed Pito says the Western music industry is starting to notice. People are sensing that there's something happening and sort of looking around going, should we actually start making some more records? Ed named his company Outdustry, referring to the opposite of industry because the Chinese market, as well as other emerging markets, as big of a potential as they might have, they're still very much on the outside relative to the West. We talk about the music industry, and really what we mean by the music industry is, is Europe, the US, and other sort of developed markets. Under a billion people, you know, there's, there's five billion plus people who uh, operate outside of that industry, and they love music, and they consume music, and they create music, um, but they do it outside of the systems that we kind of uh, historically would call the music industry. Today, Outdustry has worked with regional superstars like Jolin Tsai. <laughs> and powerhouse Western artists like Radiohead and Adele. So let's take a look at what the digital music industry in China looks like today. Up until very recently, there were basically three major music services, QQ Music, Kugo, and Kuo. iTunes launched in 2015, but was taken down a few months later to users in mainland China. So the three of those services now fall underneath Tencent Music Entertainment, TME, which combined is effectively 70 something like 75% of the market on a consumption basis. Ed Pito says there's a reason why these giant tech companies are expanding in the music business and acquiring streaming services. It's a way of fleshing out their general portfolio. Music is a huge traffic driver to really monetize properly elsewhere, and particularly things like gaming, for example, for Tencent is an enormous business. Same with Netties. And speaking of business, what are the actual numbers here? If Tencent Music Entertainment controls around 70% of the market, how much is that? Well, it's complicated. Although there are a lot of numbers circulating, it could be hard to know which ones to trust. Ed Pito and his partners are consciously ignoring all the numbers except the ones from the International Federation of the Phonographic Industry, the IFPI. Uh, there's, there's other what really wild numbers out there in the, in the billions of dollars. This, this comes from strange reports that sometimes are government reports or from weird kind of places. And we, we just kind of ignore everything, to be honest with you, apart from the IFPI numbers. So according to IFPI's numbers, digital music sales in China posted revenues of $170 million in 2015. And the growth from the previous year was impressive. 2015, the market, according to the IFPI, posted a sort of 64% growth, um, which I think at that time made it the, the fastest growing music market in the world. Um, and really, we look at that as being a kind of point where 
really 2014 was where and 2015 was where a lot of the major rights owners were really starting to onboard into these big digital platforms being licensed in in some instances for huge advance figures sony and warner entered the chinese market and signed agreements with tencent and it's highly unusual for recording companies to do exclusive deals the way sony and warner did with tencent but on the other hand China is not your usual market. It's an extraordinary thing to do to, to, uh, for Warner, let's say, to license in exclusively to one company and give that company exclusive distribution rights. Um, but it's extraordinary times in China. That may be because of China's problems with piracy in the past. It kind of makes sense. Prior to this, as a rights owner, you would be going out there trying to say, uh, you're using our music illegally sort of thing and doing takedown notices, etc., and then suddenly when you give your content exclusively to an Alibaba or to a Tencent, you suddenly have the, the, the biggest tech companies in the world are now protecting your content. All of these changes have had a significant impact on piracy. Ed Pito says their internal estimates say we're now looking at numbers below 30% piracy compared to 99% piracy less than a decade ago a complete collapse of piracy within the Chinese market. So what does it mean more specifically to try and fight piracy on the ground? Ed Pito got to experience it firsthand when his company was helping to launch last year's best-selling record, Adele's 25. First, because Adele didn't want the album on streaming services, they had to create paid, digital download-only albums. But because of some lingering licensing issues, when the album was released globally, it wasn't available online in China. At which point we said, wow, we've got to keep the biggest album in the world off the Chinese internet. So Ed Pito gathered a team whose full-time job was to basically build lists of links of places where the album was popping up illegally, and then work with IFPI in China and the National Copyright Administration to try and get them taken down. And it worked. Most were taken down within an hour or two. And we suddenly realized, wow, this, the once kind of wild Chinese internet is now policeable. Because of the widespread piracy, Chinese consumers had gotten used to getting music for free. Simply put, China had an undeveloped culture of paying for music, which is one of the reasons that progress is still slow. But things are improving. China has around 500 million digital music consumers, the vast majority of them are on these platforms we've mentioned, QQ Music, Kugo, and Kuo, mostly ad-supported services like Spotify's free tier. The next step is the subscription tier. Ed Pito says within a few years, the number of paying subscriptions may well reach into the hundreds of millions. So I think we've moved past the sort of narrative of Chinese people won't pay for music. That's no longer the narrative in the market. It's now, yes, people will pay for music. It's a question of how much and on what kind of scale. More and more content, like priority releases and exclusive content, is going behind paywalls, driving the audience to start paying for subscriptions. Of course, none of this matters if you can't keep piracy under control. And Ed Pito says the Chinese government has been supportive in terms of working in alliance with the companies trying to police content. But he thinks the real driver is the private commercial interests of these businesses. You know, I think as well, I think generally the role of the Chinese government is, is, is uh, frequently uh, mentioned in terms of censorship, etc., etc. Um, but life really goes on in a fairly fluid way within the market, and uh, I think sometimes the role of the government is overstated. 
the government's role may be overstated or not, and it might be that widespread piracy is fast becoming a thing of the past in China. But to Billy Ko, who's got over three decades of experience in the Chinese music business, there are other things standing in the way of a truly booming Chinese music industry, namely the artists themselves. So they don't understand that being a singer is actually part of the band. You're the lead instrument of the band. He says a lot of Chinese singers grew up with karaoke, where the singer doesn't have to interact or integrate with musicians. So many of them don't really know how to. I think this is the biggest problem of the Asian singer, especially C-pop. C-pop is Chinese pop music, like K-pop, the pop music of Korea. A lot of times the people ask me, say, uh, would you think Chinese music would be... Uh, will make a hit in in, in U.S.? I said, yes, one day, but not now. One day, but not now. And one day, but not now. Other emerging markets will see the light of day. Markets like India, Africa, and Southeast Asia. And that, Ed Pito says, is when things will really change. When mobile data and and unlimited data becomes the norm, which it will do across all of these markets in the next five years, suddenly it just it just the, the lights switch on um, and it's it's going to happen very very quickly china's population passed a billion people back in 1982 it's now a market of 1.38 billion people of which about 75% listen to music regularly the market for recorded music though was approximately zero for many years now thanks to the convenience of access to music over fast networks and smartphones Chinese people are starting to consume music over digital music services, where music creators are starting to be paid something. Even if average revenue per music user is around one one-hundredth of what it is in the West, that's better than nothing. And the potential for a gigantic paid Chinese music market is vast. Today, China is only about a $170 million recorded music market, but last year grew at 64%. In a country with 680 million internet and smartphone users, the transition to a legitimate paid music market in China is happening now. And that's it for this episode. Thank you to our guests, Ed Pito and Billy Coe. The Musonomics podcast is produced by Musonomics LLC, strategy consulting and analytics for and about the music industry. This episode was produced by senior producer Oso Secker. Thanks to Lulu Guo, Lisa Tan, and Zach Miller. If you like what you heard on this episode of Musonomics, please give us a review on iTunes. It only takes a minute and is so important in helping new listeners find our podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can find our contact information at our website, musonomics.com. From the Music Business Program at NYU Steinhardt, I'm Larry Miller. Thanks for listening. Listening.